Hello, and welcome to Steph TV. I'm your host, Nick Huzar. I'm also the co-founder of OfferUp. And after watching billions of dollars worth of goods exchange hands every single month, I started asking a lot of questions about how my very existence impacts the planet. And I've scoured the internet, and I found it extremely hard to find good answers to this. So I thought I would take some time on my own personal journey and interview amazing thought leaders in this space, uh, hoping they can enlighten us about how our very existence impacts the planet. Really focused on stuff. If you look at the 50 billion tons of CO2 that are emitted into the atmosphere every year, I think about over 30% of it has something to do uh, with all the stuff that we, uh, we have in our lives. And so I'm excited today to talk about energy, specifically EV batteries with uh, Rayleon Energy. And uh, our guest today is Surrender, the founder of the company. And so uh, thank you for being here. Excited to dig in and learn a lot more about EVs. I think there's a huge future in this space. And clearly, if you look at what you know, EVs are comprised of, an important part of that car is the battery. It's, it's probably the, the majority of the car, in fact. So, uh, Surrender, why don't you just get a brief introduction in your background and how did you get into this, uh, this business? Excellent, Nick. Uh, first of all, let me start with this. Uh, I'm really amazed as to what you've been doing with OfferUp and uh, what you're doing now. Um, so my story, actually, I, I was born and brought up in India. Um, I started my career in chemical engineering. Um, you know, that was the conventional path uh, to having a good career. So either become an engineer or doctor in India. That was the, the known story. Um, and that's what I followed. Um, and I did my bachelor's um, there in 2002, finished that, and then came to the U.S. to do, pursue my Ph.D. in chemical engineering. And that actually changed my life considerably. Uh, up until then, it was more about, you know, uh, doing the tried and tested path. And after that, when I got into the Ph.D., that introduced me to the sustainability. And this was like 20 years ago. Um, I was really fortunate to have a very um, good advisor. Um, he got me introduced into um, decarbonization. My PhD thesis was on hydrogen production and alternative fuel production uh, from various sources, including municipal solid waste, biomass, and actually coal uh, with uh, close to zero CO2 footprint. Um, after my PhD, I worked uh, through the, the corporate uh, career or the corporate ladder. I worked for GE for close to 10 years. And that's where, again, I continued my path on decarbonization, where I developed technologies on carbon capture, alternative fuels production, solid oxide fuel cells, and very importantly, batteries, uh, amongst all the other technologies. Uh, Five or maybe actually six years ago, I started um, an incubator for a very large power producer, actually the world's largest power producer in the world. And this incubator, I was leading specifically carbon management and energy management programs. Uh, and that continued uh, these uh, decarbonization technology developments. And a few years ago, um, I dug deep into developing my own company. Um, I met my co-founder, uh, we struck the chord, we had the same wavelength, and uh, I was really excited about uh, lithium-ion batteries and uh, what uh, EV batteries did for decarbonization of the transportation sector. But then actually a few years ago, we saw that there is a significant challenge with respect to uh, the sustainability and the circularity of the batteries. And there were technical and business problems that needed to be solved. And that's why I started Rely On. Yeah. 
I always like to start each episode uh, with a, uh, a macro view of the, the challenge, right? Because I'm going back to the 50 billion tons of, of CO2. And in this particular case, I think for this episode, about 16% of all CO2 emissions come from transportation. And so it's a massive area investment. And when I say transportation, actually more than cars, I'm thinking planes, car, you know, cargo ships, um, they, these are all, all part of it. Um, and so I, it's, it's just an exciting future when you think about EVs. It seems like everybody is doing something around EVs, not just cars now. Like they're doing the retro, there's a company in Seattle here that's retrofitting boats. Um, you know, the former CTO of Airbus is building the hydrogen, well, hydrogen plane. Uh, you know, what's the retrofit? existing aircraft, but they're also building electric planes. Yeah. And it's just such a, it's such an exciting future. If you fast forward, you know, you know, where I think all of this is going, um, may, maybe a question for you would just might be helpful is just kind of, you know, for the audience, uh, just a history of kind of EV ba ba batteries over the last 10 years. Like how has this space evolved? Right. Um, so, you know, it, it's been an exponential growth, uh, but still actually we're small in, in numbers. Right now, there's roughly about like four to six percent of EV penetration uh, in the U.S., uh, but it's exponentially growing. And yeah. this started about like 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, we started with very few uh, number of uh, electric vehicles or cars that uh, were put on the road, but it has been exponentially growing. And actually, the most recent numbers are that we are... Um, at uh, almost 25 million cars uh, per year that are actually being deployed, electric cars that have been uh, deployed uh, in the U in the U.S. Yeah. Uh, the uh, the main uh, benefit is that actually the this EV growth is actually really helpful in terms of decarbonization. But the, as you mentioned, actually there's a very long way to go. Uh, but there are policies that are being put into place where uh, U.S., uh, including actually other countries um, and actually California and other states are coming up with policies where all 100% um, of the cars by certain years, by whether it is 2030 or 2035, yeah. are going to be all electric vehicles. Uh, so there's definitely a, a very nice future uh, that we can see in terms of the decarbonization that is going to take place due to the uh, in the transportation sector. I do think what you said is really important. And so if you want to drive big change, I think you need all parties aligned. And I think in the in the world of EVs, we do. We have government setting policy. We have business, you know, a lot of companies now. Tesla, I think, really paved the way and now everyone's following. Yes. And then clearly consumer demand is there. And like this is this will happen because everything is aligning, which is really important. I think the other thing you said, which is fascinating when you think about where this is going is today, I think we're roughly at 4% EV penetration but it's expected at 70% by 2050. And so if you right. look at the number of cars on the road today, there's basically about 282 million vehicles on the road in the US today. And so right. you can imagine this future where, you know, if it's not your car today, chances are if you're in the market for a new car in the next few years, or you're gonna get an EV at some point, it's gonna happen. Right. Right. And I think that is, you know, clearly a lot of potential and, and not surprising probably why you got into the business that you're in, um, and so maybe what would also be helpful is just, you know, we could, we could pull up a visual to kind of help people understand the, what makes an EV so interesting. Aside from just the fact that I think it's good for the planet, it's just a simpler vehicle. You know, you removed all this stuff that was associated with 
you know, uh, the combustion engine, right? We need right. everything yes. to be heavier and not like, and now it's, you know, if you strip down an EV, you've got a big battery, rotary engine, yeah, some electronics and some, some brakes. Right. right. Uh, so there's very few moving parts, uh, and that is actually a key differentiator uh, amongst, uh, you know, other things in terms of uh, decarbonization. But there are very few moving parts, and due to that, actually, they can be very long-lasting and requires very little maintenance. Uh, the one of the things actually that we are addressing as Relyon is that uh, when um, you reach the end of life of the electric vehicles, what does, what happens with these batteries that they retire, and that has been actually a challenge, and that's what actually we recognized as an as a challenge and and as an opportunity that if we need to develop something then what we should develop uh, technologies that can handle these batteries after they retire and currently there's only like two options um, you know one is recycling where you take the batteries down to the material level um, and reintroduce these critical materials back into the new battery supply chain and the other option is to actually repurpose these uh, batteries for other applications, uh, which could be uh, in the stationary energy storage sector. And when we're talking about decarbonization, actually, it is really important that we have energy storage in the stationary energy storage sector also. Because of uh, increasing renewable penetration, we need more and more actually energy storage that can handle the intermittency of the renewables. And that's where actually energy storage becomes really important and the utilization of these batteries. In so one of the things that I mentioned is with the increasing renewable penetration, uh, we need actually more and more energy storage in the stationary um, energy storage sector or the, st the grid level sector. And this is where uh, it becomes really important that we can utilize these batteries uh, that are retiring from the cars or uh, electric vehicles and repurpose them for this stationary energy storage system. So do you have a continuous sustainability and circularity piece that is covered by these uh, technologies? So in your, so your, your value prop, I think with your company is you can, you know, you can what two X, the life of a battery, theoretically? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, so, the, and this is beyond actually the, the life that they, the batteries spend in electric vehicles. So for example, let's say if uh, these lithium ion batteries in electric vehicles last for like five to 10 years, and these are actually going longer and longer um, as we move into the future, yeah. uh, but uh, repurposing them into the stationary uh, energy storage, you can have an additional life of 15 to 20 years beyond the first life of uh, these batteries in the cars. In your mind, how do you think this plays out in the future? Like, I think a lot, most people that probably have EVs now still just driving their EVs, right? I don't think right. we've hit that cycle where it's like the end of life and somebody's like, I still love my car, but my battery doesn't work. I mean, is that pretty That's common today or? That's right. And so what, where we are right now is just at the beginning of this um, uh, transition. What we're seeing right now, actually the batteries that are retiring. So these are the cars that started in about 2010, uh, 2012 timeframe. And at that time we were just uh, in, in the very initial phase of increasing electric vehicles um, on, um, on our roads. Um, so there's a uh, few uh, or little supply that is there for these uh, batteries right now. But this is, what we know is that this is only going to exponentially increase. And this is a very predictable path that is going to be uh, happening for these. And so the right now is the, is the time frame where we need to figure out what we will do with these batteries.
And this is where the recycling and the repurposing comes into place. So, but yeah. just to differentiate though, um, what I, there's an analogy that I use and I, I've stuck onto it is, uh, what's the difference between recycling and repurposing and how do they work together actually? Mm -hmm. So the analogy that I use is that, uh, for example, uh, you know, every time uh, when we eat uh, or drink, uh, let's eat only like 20% of uh, what we have and then compost the rest 80%. Um, be even hungry. Though, I'd still be hungry after that though. <laughs> yes, <laughs> but what I mean to say is that actually the even though the uh, the idea with respect to composting might be really good, but the implementation is really bad. Um, so with respect to electric vehicles or the batteries that are retiring from electric vehicles, what we have found out of uh, over the years is that actually there's 70 to 80% state of health that is left over in these batteries when they retire. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, recycling is very important, uh, but there have been actually a lot of resources that have been put in to build these batteries. And so we should be actually utilizing them for as long as possible. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, when they're not of use anymore, then we should be recycling that, uh, the, let's, these materials. Let's, let's dig into that. And I think maybe helping just educate people on what does it actually take to make a battery when you get back to the resources and all the things that are involved? Yes. So, um, you know, uh, there are multiple types of uh, lithium-ion batteries. So even though, you know, can, normally we call them lithium-ion, but they, they come in very uh, or many uh, different flavors. And there are different chemistries, different form factors. So for example, in the chemistries, uh, there's the NMC, NCA, LFP, LMO. So all of these acronyms are, you know, uh, based on what are the elements that are used in these batteries. So, but importantly, uh, what you utilize is lithium, nickel, cobalt, um, uh, iron, phosphate, and so on. And LFP is actually a, a technology that is growing. But what this shows is that actually these materials, these are critical materials that are available at uh, you know certain uh, locations throughout the world. Yeah. For example, you know DRC that has um, certain uh, limitations with respect to um, child labor and so on. So there there are these issues that also need to be addressed as to where we are getting these materials from and how to utilize them most effectively and efficiently. And that is why actually recycling and repurposing both become really important. Lithium, especially <clears throat> on a future episode, I'm going to have the largest lithium mine in the U.S. on here. And we're going to talk about this because I think it's 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 a core building block for batteries. Right. And just fast forward this movie. What happens when 70% of the U.S. is all driving EVs? Like I, exactly. Lithium is going to be so expensive. Yes, uh, it's already yeah. been becoming very expensive. Uh, there's an exponential rise in the in the prices, and uh, we're only at the beginning um, at this point. Like you mentioned, uh, when we are at seventy percent penetration, what is going to happen at that time if we are not utilizing these materials effectively? Well, and you have so we're just talking about cars, but but again, like I was saying earlier, everybody's rethinking the combustion engine, and so you know there's companies retrofitting jets right now. Uh, with electric and retrofitting boats with electric. I mean, and so right. I think the demands are going to be clearly everywhere. And I also think about what's going to happen with populations around the world, right? right. Where, where, where and, these, you're going to see these big shifts in our lifetime of countries where, you know, the, the Middle East is not as strong anymore. Now it's moving over here. Like we're going to watch this kind of play out. Right. 
And uh, it's uh, in addition to uh, the vehicles, uh, there's going to be an actually a challenge with respect to getting these batteries for uh, the grid level storage. Because as I mentioned, actually with the increasing renewable penetration, so we'll need to have actually more and more energy storage, uh, including batteries amongst other sources, whether it is hydrogen and so on. But we'll need more and more supply of these batteries for, for such purposes as well. Actually, there's a most recent study, uh, I believe Stanford estimated that we need, we'll need about 300 terawatt hours uh, of energy storage by 2050. And even if we make like gigafactories every other week, uh, we won't be able to meet that uh, demand. And so that is why we, uh, you know, that shows why it is really important to utilize the batteries that have been already manufactured for as yeah. long as possible in a safe and reliable manner. I think it's a combination of clearly, clearly harnessing more energy, but then like you said, being more efficient, uh, you know, on the other side. And I've, I've watched, I watch a lot of kind of Elon Musk and, you know, he's, you know, people think about him and depends on where you, you sit. I think he's the greatest mind of our time. Uh, I just, the, he's a very, he's a systems thinker, right? And he thinks on so many different dimensions. And I, I recall him saying like the size to plant uh, of a solar field, you'd need to plant it like the U S and I think it was like, like smaller than Texas or something. Right. Yeah. So, much, much smaller. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so it's interesting. I think with, uh, what are all the different ways we can actually harness energy? And then it's how do we just be more efficient on the other side? But the demands, I think a lot about EVs and like, okay, we're at 4%. How are we going to charge all these things when we get to 70? It's not going to look like it is today. The infrastructure to support exactly. is be very different. That that's right, and so there is definitely um, again shows it, this shows that actually to have more and more EVs, we'll need to stabilize our grid, and uh, with more uh, solar and wind, uh, again energy storage becomes really important. Kind of what are the we, we kind of talked a little bit earlier about the core uh, kind of building blocks of what goes into batteries like lithium, but like when you look at a battery, like what are we looking at? Like, is there an easy way to describe that? Right. Um, so uh, we, we spoke about actually, uh, you know, the different chemistries. Um, there are actually more complexities with respect to lithium ion batteries. And these are like, they come in all different shapes and sizes. A Tesla EV battery pack uh, looks very different from, uh, let's say, Nissan Leaf and uh, uh, Kona batteries and so on. And inside of these uh, battery packs are these individual components, whether these are modules and cells. And the further complex piece over there is that actually they come in different form factors, which could be, you know, cylindrical cells. So, for example, Tesla uses cylindrical cells quite a bit. Uh, these are similar to like the AA and AAA batteries that we use, just different, uh, you know, uh, uh, size. Uh, whereas uh, other battery types include like, uh, you know, prismatic cells or pouch cells. So... Uh, the challenge with all of these different possibilities or uh, uh, the various flavors uh, in which the lithium-ion batteries come in is how do you repurpose them uh, for different applications? And this is where the challenge and the opportunity is that uh, if you can have a plug-and-play technology that can utilize all of these battery uh, 
chemistries and form factors and shapes and sizes that are coming into the market that is actually what is needed because if you're very restrictive with respect to only a very small subset of batteries that you can work with then it doesn't solve the larger problem it's at hand mm -hmm. well i think for your business maybe can you kind of explain the process as you envision it to back to your point when you think about getting all these supplies of batteries Ideally, there's one standard and you just say, oh, that makes life easier for you. But that's probably that's not practical. I don't think that's going to happen. So how are do you how do you how does your business actually work when you get all these different types of batteries? Right. Um, so what what we started with is actually um, two uh, foundational level um, things that we wanted to build. One was to uh, develop a technology that could be plug and play so that could utilize all of these different battery types. Um, and second uh, was that actually uh, there, uh, let's take a step back, sorry. So uh, one was related to how do you develop a plug and play technology that can utilize all of these batteries. And the second challenge was how do you utilize the diversity in performance uh, that you get when the batteries retire. So one of the conventional ways in which you can build or repurpose the, the batteries is you take the battery packs apart into you know, different um, components uh, in terms of modules and cells, and you grade them into different classifications that you have a high state of health, medium and low state of health, um, and you put the similar ones back together. The, Good thing is that actually this works, but the, the bad thing is that actually it is so time consuming, energy consuming, labor intensive process that uh, when you end up with making these repurposed uh, solutions, these are more expensive than the brand new battery energy storage mm -hmm. system that you can buy in the market. So there is no economical or financial reason why somebody would buy these. Mm -hmm. So what we started with was that actually, yes, one, it has to be a plug and play technology. And second, it has to be simplified enough in terms of uh, uh, building or repurposing these batteries that you maintain the economic benefit that yes. uh, th that is associated with these. And so what we have developed is actually uh, uh, a number of different, very important components. And I'll uh, give an analogy again. Uh, that, for example, if you look at the human body, there are so many different organs uh, that uh, have very important key functions with respect to whatever they do. And then there is the brain that manages actually all of these different organs. So in the battery energy storage system, uh, there are these inverters, batteries and so on that need to function really well. Uh, but at a very high level, the brain of the, the, the system is the battery management system, the BMS, it is typically called. And so what we've developed is a new BMS, a new kind of battery management system that can handle these diversity of, state of states of health. Uh, and that is actually a technology differentiator that was something that was missing before, and that's what we've developed. Uh, so apart from the BMS, the other things that we've developed is... Uh, uh, distributed level of control mechanism where the the BMS is enabled by these hardware changes that we make uh, at the component level so that they can be individually controlled. And we've developed actually a patented technology. We've also actually validated our technology where we've shown that these batteries can last for 15 to 20 years with sub 10% degradation. So this is minimal degradation. So it can go even longer than that. Wow. So, you know, I know you're fairly, 
young company. So have you, how far have you really tested this, pro this product? Like the, the hard part is clearly kind of scaling at this point, probably, but you know, kind right. of where are you at in your, your evolution? Right. So what we've done is actually maybe, you know, one of the visuals uh, that we can share is we've built these uh, MVPs, uh, the minimum viable products, but we've already validated them for many different use cases. And so these are like hundreds of kilowatt hours of systems. And typically, you know, for example, if you take an example of a power wall, the Tesla power wall that is used for the residential sector, that's about 12 to 13 kilowatt hours. Uh, so one home would need that much amount of uh, battery energy storage. And so what we've built is actually these systems that are at least, you know, 10 times bigger than that and several of these. And we've uh, built it with, uh, you know, different sources of batteries. So that we, we're working with actually original equipment manufacturers or OEMs as they're known uh, that are the largest in North America, China, Japan, South Korea. Um, so we've taken actually batteries from all of these different sources and we'll built these uh, systems that have been tested under various conditions. So whether these are microgrid applications or grid tied systems uh, with the use cases being renewable integration, uh, electricity bill reduction due to uh, demand charges and so on, backup power. Uh, and uh, so with all of these use cases, what we've already shown uh, under real life scenarios that uh, uh, these can last for like 15 to 20 years. Um, the next stage of the company is that actually we're taking it um, out to um, actual pilot sites and yeah. early adopters where um, these systems will cover very specific use cases. So there are two beachhead markets. Um, one is for electricity bill reduction for the C&I sector. Uh, and the C and I being, you know, either large warehouses, large manufacturing facilities and so on. Uh, and second is for electric vehicle charging. And uh, one of the challenges with electric vehicle charging, as, as I think we initially mentioned in, in, in our call, is uh, you would need to upgrade your AC infrastructure significantly if you need to have a very high uptime for the electric vehicle so that they don't waste their time charging uh, rather they should be actually doing productive work. And yeah. so what we've done as one of the use cases is by having these battery buffered DC fast charging systems is that actually you could charge really large electric vehicles, including trucks and buses, where these can be charged over an hour rather than actually like a five hour downtime and so on. How would you, it's, oh, cause it just has more output. Yes. Okay. And so what these are similar to actually, you know, uh, the superchargers, for example, that Tesla has or level three chargers. Are uh, these that big are machines then? Like you couldn't put these uh, in a car, could you? Yeah. So it's almost like actually the analogy could be uh, like a, a fueling station pump. Uh, so these electric vehicle chargers are almost the same size uh, with power capacity going to uh, like 180 kilowatt, 240 kilowatt, yeah. 300 kilowatts. Um, the difference being that actually these are uh, backed by battery energy storage system. So what happens is that you do not need to spend a lot of resources to upgrade your AC infrastructure side, uh, which takes actually a lot of time and money to do that. Yeah. So what this does is that you can have the same AC infrastructure, have the battery buffered chargers so that um, you, you can do it in a really fast uh, time frame and also at a very low cost. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Uh, you know, I know we're almost at time. We can probably geek out the batteries all day. But I think 
where do you think, you know, if you fast forward this in, into the future, you know, I guess uh, two questions. What One, what do you think are the challenges, especially I think for your company to try to get your, get scale. And then I think the second one is when you think about, you know, kind of the future of EVs, like where, where do you think we're, we're going? All right. So uh, I, I think definitely um, to answer the, the latter part of the question, the future of EVs, I, I, I truly believe uh, that that is definitely the future and that is going to actually benefit all of humanity. And it's not just EVs, actually. I truly believe that electrifying everything uh, or electrification of everything that is uh, you know known uh, is the pathway to go in terms of decarbonization. So there's definitely um, all things are getting aligned with respect to what the humanity needs uh, versus where we're going um, in, in terms of developing different te uh, technologies. Um, where we see ourselves uh, out into the future, um, I think uh, with all of the intersection of uh, decarbonization and electric growth, uh, uh, and batteries uh, increasing um, penetration almost every part of our society. What we see is that actually repurposing is going to become a very important piece in this whole effort with respect to sustainability, circularity, and decarbonization. And uh, uh, there, there are going to be many different opportunities, and uh, hopefully, you know, we um, can solve you know one of the challenges that is associated with respect to decarbonization. Yeah, I think a lot about, I use the word, I think, circularity a lot. If you think of a lot of our, um, the way our, a lot of products and stuff works, it's kind of, there's a lot of single use out there and it just, it just goes to landfill, right? It's just, but you, you know, there's so many opportunities to rethink the way we've done things. Like I'm going to, there's another episode I'm going to do soon around cement. Cement, the mix we use today is basically the same kind of mix that we had in the 1700s. Right. Like it hasn't yes. changed a lot. And if you think a lot of what's in cement, it's, you know, it's a lot of air that like you could reuse plastics. We waste a lot of plastics. Like there's a lot of things you could do there. And so I, I think there are a lot of opportunities for circularity. I think EVs is a massive accelerator. And I hopefully... My hope with EVs, because I think it impacts so much and I think people care so much and you can see it, is that it then kind of becomes like this vortex that pulls in all these other people to really care a lot more about sustainability. And I just, I'm very excited and optimistic. And part of it is I'm just, in, you know, talking to really interesting people like yourself and you can see these macro things that are now happening. And I don't know, I felt like when we were younger, we just, one, maybe we didn't have enough data or we just, the technology wasn't there. But I see a lot more of that, and it makes me really you know, excited where we're going. So if, if people want to learn more about your company, I guess maybe you could just – they can go to your website, right? Just Rayleigh on yes. Energy. Yep. Yes, www.relyonenergy.com, yes. Appreciate you for being here and you know, talking about batteries. And you know, I think it's a very top-of-mind topic when you look at EV adoption going from 4% to 70% by 2050 – you know, that's going to be your company is in a really good position to help create a more circular economy. So thank you for, for sharing that here. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. Uh, very excited uh, that we had this conversation. Looking forward to it.